0: Welcome to the podcast from The Temple.
1: I'm Rabbi Peter Berg,
0: And I'm Rabbi Lauren filson lapitas
1: This episode is brought to you by The Temple, Atlanta's oldest and youngest synagogue. Lauren, this has been one of the most difficult weeks that I could ever recall as a rabbi.
0: I feel like you and I have, in the same meetings and separately, said to people, this moment is overwhelming and it's a call to action it's a call to to respond and we're really not sure what to do first
1: it's true and we you know it, it, it's interesting it took us um a long t- it took as a t- as a clergy team it took us a long time uh to figure out what we wanted to communicate to our congregation because there's so much to say and um there's sermon after sermon after sermon that needs to be delivered right now. And uh, it is a time to, to call our congregation to action. Uh, this, the issues that we're facing are issues that, that the temple has been uh, really focused on for a long time, but we've hit a, a flashpoint and, and um, we have to look at ourselves anew and look at the world anew and figure out our place
0: when you and i started at the temple in 2008 a couple months in we had the 50th anniversary commemorating the temple bombing and that was at least for me a a crash course in what it meant to be part of southern jewish history and to be part of the temple with all of its long history and rabbi rothschild's position on civil rights but when we've talked to people who say that that's a reason for being part of the community what we remind them is it's not just about our history it's about action and so that's really the spirit that we're bringing to tonight's podcast, which on short notice, um, we are really excited to be able to, to focus at, on the response to current events with an amazing leader in our congregation.
1: That's right. We, we say all the time, you can't just pat yourselves on the back uh, about the good work that we did. And we did do good work. But we have to ask What is the civil rights work of today? And uh, there's no better person to help us do that than Dr. John Eves, who is a distinguished member of our temple. Uh, He's a graduate of Morehouse, both as a scholar and also uh, as a captain of the football team. I don't know if everybody knew that. I'm definitely asking a question about that.
2: Because I don't look like a football player anymore.
1: (laughs) uh, John got his masters at Yale in religion. Um, and I, I always love talking to him about religion, uh, doctorate at the University of South Carolina in uh, educational administration, and, and when you look at John's career in, in every job uh, that, that he's had, he really works at bringing economic growth and um, reducing crime in, in, in diverse communities, uh, uh, including uh, faith as well. Uh, John, of course, we all know, was uh, on the Fulton County Board of Commissioners, chair of Fulton County, a big, big job. Um, And uh, he was a member of the board of trustees of our temple and is currently the chair of the Rothschild Social Justice Institute Racial Justice Committee. Welcome, John.
2: Thank you so much, Peter and Lauren. This is great. I look forward to talking with you as well as your listening audience.
0: Well, we really appreciate it. Um, Why don't we start with, just tell us how you're feeling and your thoughts um, as you watch the news, as you go out in our beloved city. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you seeing?
2: Well, i tell you, what a year has 2020 been so far. Uh, Much excitement at the beginning of the year, new year. Um, Then COVID-19 picked up in terms of infections and deaths. And now it's sort of pivoted into this other um, attention getter, um, a tragic death of a a man senseless, senselessly killed, uh, but also on the heels of other killings that have occurred in the United States involving black people in general and black men in particular. And I'll tell you, uh, for me as a black man, uh, looking at the vividness um, of the person being killed on tape, before our eyes was really troubling, uh, very emotional. I certainly saw myself in him. And I also saw my own son who's 24 years old in him. And too often, just because of the color of his skin and the classification of race, people are um, identified and treated differently. And so it certainly resonates. It certainly uh, sort of is a reminder that even though we are Incredibly diverse, advanced, multicultural country. The reality is there still is stigma, there still is mistreatment, there still is mis- uh, abuse uh, based on skin color and the intersection of gender, and in this case, black males. So it really has resonated with me, but it certainly has also affirmed um, my uh, commitment for social justice. But there's also a silver lining, and we certainly can talk about this in more detail in the podcast. But I've gone down to the protests twice. And even though it's not captured on television, but going down and seeing the young people, but also the diversity. And Usually African-Americans are thought of as being the element that that diversifies a group of people. But this time, it was uh, young white men and women who were there, along with uh, some Asians. And so it was very um, comforting to see the, the, the wonderful presence of white people who were there who were also um, saying the same thing, Black Lives Matter. So it was very uh, hopeful to see that um, tapestry of people representation at the protests that I've attended.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I've seen that too. I've seen a lot of young white people really standing up in a way that I haven't seen before to talk about uh, how they feel and how, how personal this is for them, that that there's a change in the way that America sees systematic racism all around us. And, you know, you, you approach this from so many different lenses because, uh, Uh, You know, you you stand before us today as uh, a leader, as in in government, uh, who has served in a a high office, who's running for a high office, uh, as a Black American, uh, and and as a Jew. And uh, how does this moment in time speak to you as a Jew?
2: Yeah, you know, I've I've been asked that often, and um, recently that is. And I think there's a certain level of hypersensitivity that I have in terms of what's happening, because I sort of see the world through a special lens that is sort of the intersection of two traditions or two perspectives that, has been, that have been stigmatized and persecuted and discriminated against because of a slight difference between ourselves and the other folks who are the majority. And so it's hypersensitive experience. Uh, that I that I have or perspective that I have. Um, but again, I want to go back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, given what I have seen, I've been affirmed. And I want members of the Jewish community to know that just as, for me, as a Black person, seeing another Black person being killed, um, it resonates. It also resonates with me when I see another Jewish person who is stigmatized or a synagogue is bombed or a person is mistreated who's Jewish because of our way of life or whatever paraphernalia we may display, that same type of um, uh, discomfort, um, dis-ease and anger that boils for me as a black man also boils for me when uh, a Jewish person is, is, the subject, is subjected to discrimination. So I get it from both sides, and I think it, the, the, the one plus one is addition that doubles my level of sensitivity.
0: One of the, the roles that you hold in our community is the chair of the racial justice group within our Rothschild Social Justice Institute and that group has been active before this moment. So before we talk about what to do next, can you review a few of the the things that that group has led our congregation to do in the pursuit of racial justice and equality already?
2: Yes, listen, this is Judaism in action. Yes, Judaism is a way of life, but this is the action aspect of our faith. And I'm very proud of what the Rothschild Social Justice Institute in general but specifically what the Racial Justice Committee has done. So we've done some well-organized um, record restriction summits that have provided the opportunity for ex-offenders to have their records sealed by way of collaborating with justice partners within Fulton County government. We've also utilized the wonderful talent and resources and men and women power within our congregation to execute and. Folks who have a a perspective and professionalism expertise in law have utilized their skills to help with the process. And so we've served um, upwards of 500 or so individuals over the past two years. And so I'm very proud of that effort and engaging the justice partners ranging from judges, district attorney, public defenders, um, solicitor generals, as well as the public. So it was a great uh, two events that we've done over the past two years. But I think the other thing that really has been um, very phenomenal phenomenal that we've done, a little bit under the radar screen, is the pilgrimage that we organized going to the Legacy Museum uh, in Montgomery, Alabama. We did this back in, I believe, August of 2019. There was a delegation of members of the temple, members of the Rothschild Institute, as well as people from the community. And to me, that Um, transformative, informative visit, looking at the historical legacy of Jim Crow and how uh, Jim Crow and lynching was uh, sort of an extension of slavery. And it it continued on through the 1940s and 1950s, where vigilante groups, um, which would be based on um, perception, based on uh, rumor, would uh, mercifully, mercifully uh, kill a black man, in some cases, a black woman, because of something that happened in the community. But those acts of violence were, um, were actually a means of social control. And in many cases, you had law enforcement and criminal justice that supported these uh, practices, which largely happened in the South. And keep in mind, also, there is a record where one Jewish person uh, just west of Atlanta um, got killed um, through lynching because of perceived um, violence that that person did towards a, towards a young girl. And the reason why that uh, experience was important because it provided us with the context of why uh, criminal justice and law enforcement practices right now are under such scrutiny, because it becomes these practices come within a historical context, where law enforcement, the rule of law, criminal justice, really the practices that we employ, really um, are 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 seeded from this historical legacy that goes all the way back to slavery, and it's no accident that the United States disproportionately incarcerates men of color specifically Black males in any other uh, country in the world in terms of incarceration, but Black folks in particular. And it's because of this historical legacy. And I think that of all the things that we've done through the Racial Justice Committee, to me, that's the one that really gave us uh, a perspective, a context for why the work that we're doing from a social justice perspective is so important. It's not isolated why there's a disproportionate number of people who are in the criminal justice system it's because of a, of a legacy that goes all the way back to slavery.
0: I agree. I think- Sorry. I, I was going to say that day was amazing. And I had read Just Mercy before going. And I still remember this picture in the museum of this, this Black mother holding her 13-year-old son who was tried as an adult, finding out that he was going to prison for life. And the picture, um, I, that just, I still think about that and and walking through the memorial, I remember coming back and I, I said to my husband, it was like walking through Yad Vashem in terms of the sanctity and the feeling of honoring and then feeling responsible to put that into action afterwards. And I know for our whole congregation it was tremendously powerful and probably something we need to do on a regular basis. Yes.
2: Yeah, yes. A... Go ahead, John. Go ahead.
1: I think it's interesting that, um, you know, I've gotten a bunch of calls this week and people are saying, what's the temple doing? What's the temple doing? And, and part of what I want to point to is the work that we have been doing. Uh, it's right. We didn't just wake up three days ago and say, there's a problem. We, there's been a problem since 1619 and, and it, it's time. Uh, you, you know, we want people to be able to join us in this work that we're doing. And so a point of, uh, uh personal pride first is just to say thank you to you, John, for for your leadership and for, uh, you know, allowing us to do things that sometimes we thought we could never do. I mean, when we first started talking about the record restriction, we said, there's no way. There's no way that uh, all the judges are going to come and and all the people are going to come to the building. And at 10 o'clock in the morning, people are going to come with these records. And and at 1130, they're going to leave with a new lease on life and be able to get a job and a house uh, and, and go to school. And so it, it's really, uh, and it's become a national model and, and it's got John Eves all over it. So we're really so grateful for that. I, um, I wanna ask a personal question. Uh, you and I have talked a lot over the years um, about the challenges sometimes uh, we work so hard to try to be a congregation that is as open and welcoming as possible. I would endeavor to say we want to be the premier synagogue for Jews of color, uh, but we all know that uh, that sometimes um, what we aspire to and and, and what happens um, isn't always the same. And it's not malicious, but sometimes people just say the wrong thing, and and. I wanted to ask if you could share a message with Jews all over the country about how to be more welcoming to Jews of color, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, um, first of all, I've I've enjoyed being a member. I've enjoyed the Shabbat services, all the services that I uh, uh, attend. I feel that I'm spiritually and intellectually and to a certain degree even socially fed and my needs are met. So I find it a very welcoming community. But I, I think that um, the reality is, Judaism can be an open door for anybody who wishes to, to subscribe to the tenets of the faith. And I believe that the future of Judaism will be a lot more diversified than it is right now. Uh, if we certainly are intentional and we uh, are deliberate, and we certainly extend the, the hand of free uh, friendship to others, because I do believe that that is the future of our faith. But I will say that you know, despite um, my wonderful feelings and feeling uh, comfortable and at home and among friends, I do every now and then uh, run across a congregant who may um, greet me in, in such a way, uh, welcome to our synagogue or welcome to the temple. And I just sort of gently remind or state, um, as you've mentioned in our intro, uh, I'm a member and actually former, Member of the board of trustees, <laughs> and also active with the social justice committee uh, or institute, and so that's sort of my own little kind of subtle comeback. Uh, right. I'm actually a, a very active member of the congregation, <laughs> um, but I do believe that that um, you know just as other faiths, I've, I've told people often that the Islam religion, um, um, Buddhist religion, Hindu religion. Uh, those those faiths are becoming more diversified. You're beginning to see um, African Americans join those um, faiths and those traditions, and I just truly believe that uh, Judaism will become uh, even more dynamic with a diversity of perspectives and and traditions that uh, that can be added to the um, the tapestry of what we already have. Amen. Amen.
0: Absolutely, and. There's a lot of work, as you've alluded to, to continue to make sure that we are being um, welcoming and um, and aware of Jewish diversity um, wherever within our our temple. And in this moment, a lot of people are looking at the news and they're saying, "What can I do to repair my city, my country, my world? What can I do to reach out?" Um, so, from your perspective, uh, what would you say people should be thinking about doing right now?
2: You know what? It's as straightforward as roll up your sleeves and go to work. Don't sit back and wait for an invitation, invite yourself to the party. And not to trivialize what's happening, but there's something special happening in this country right now. That I've never seen before in terms of its intensity, as well as the breadth of what's happening. In fact, it's becoming an international uh, phenomenon where people in New Zealand and parts of Europe, uh, South America, Africa are beginning to really show stand up and show solidarity. Solidarity. I don't want the Jewish community to feel timid. This is our struggle, just as um, a white police officer put his knee on the neck of a black man, it could very well have been um, a Jewish person um, directed, uh, being the recipient of hate or some sort of bodily harm or killing. And so we have to recognize that the same uh, hate um, that's racial is a cousin of hate of anti-Semitism. And so we have to stand up, we have to get involved. I mentioned earlier that I've gone down to the protests and one of the things that struck me was the presence of young people and white people. And there was no um, sort of delineation of whites over here and blacks over there, they were together. And I think that uh, it's important for uh, black people to certainly stand up and take a lead But it's equally important for Jews to be a part of the effort. And um, this is going to result, I think, in some monumental changes in history. And I don't want the Jewish community to be uh, late to the party. We need to be involved now. And so there are a wide range of things that can be done. Something as simple as just showing up. I've gone down twice. I did my social distancing. I had my mask on. I had my sanitizer in my pocket. I tried my best to stay six feet apart from others, but I was still there. And I actually went on one of the two occasions and gave some extemporaneous remarks to about 60 people, sharing with them my pleasure, my thanks for them being there and how this was important. So whether you go and say something or just show up and have a presence that at a minimum level is important. But I think there's some other things that can be done. You can go and um, set up a, a water station. You can, um, you know, for those who are marching from point A to point B, you can, the law, the lawyers within our community can certainly be available to help those who happen to be arrested. Um, you know, obviously you, you may not necessarily want to get into the realm of those who have been looting, but those who may be uh, just there um, and considered unlawful assembly. Uh, there's help in terms of the legal process of untangling what protesters may get themselves involved in. But I also think that just in the spirit of Rabbi Rothschild back in the 1950s, who was shoulder and shoulder with um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, we as a temple family and the Jewish community in general can certainly be um, active, present uh, in this movement and show solidarity because the same um, hate that led to uh, the killing of this man, uh, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna, um, I think Taylor, and all the other men who've been killed, as well as all the other injustices that have been directed towards Black people, that same hate hatred can easily be diverted slightly, six degrees to the right, to us the Jewish people and we need to recognize that and so whenever it's present we need to be present and uh show our um our displeasure
1: now is the time we have to speak truth to power we have to um, uh be able to use privilege to fix and repair the world that is broken and um um John, you model that every day for us, and, and we continue to learn from you. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, you know, I thought of one other thing that, um, that I started doing today was um, looking for um, Jews of color in the community who have uh, art and books and, and things that they do and sell and, 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 and purchasing them and, and just showing that, that, that I care. It's just one simple thing that, that one person can do um, to make a difference we as rabbis know uh, what it's like to be called to the work that we do and uh, there's uh, an element of moral leadership and courageous leadership involved in becoming a rabbi and serving as a rabbi uh, and i think the same is true in public service and uh you're uh, mounting a big campaign for for congress and uh I shouldn't say mounting, you're, you're way in it. And, um, you know, I I'm just would love to know a little bit about uh, what calls you to public service.
2: Peter and Lauren, I love it. I love it, it's in my DNA. Next to going to Shabbat service, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I come from a family tradition of service, um, educators, um, and I have an uncle who passed away a few years ago the first black police chief in Atlanta, Georgia, um, Reginald Eaves, who really was my, um, sort of my political mentor along with being my uncle. So he inspired me to go into politics. And, you know, you can, on an individual level, whether you're a teacher or, um, or even a, a rabbi or um, someone who works with people, you can help a group of people and that's great and it's noble. But within the, the political sphere, you can pass legislation, you can introduce policy that impacts thousands and thousands and millions of people. And um, I've discovered that you know, when elected and representing, there is a certain degree of responsibility that comes on the person's shoulders. But that individual in collaborating and working with other elected officials and listening to constituents, can formulate policy, rules and regulations within society, and provide the necessary resources, it can really affect positive change. And so our social justice work as a Temple family is very important. But To me, the political sphere that I am aspiring to, especially transitioning now from local government to federal government, if successful, I'll be a a member of Congress along with 434 other men and women from various persuasions around the country coming up with federal policies in health, criminal justice, economic development, uh, environmental protection, climate change, uh, taxes, infrastructure, um, the whole nine yards that impact people not only locally, but across the country. And if successful, I will, as I am have a unique perspective as a member of the Temple and within the Jewish community, based on sort of this dual perspective, within Congress, I will also fall within a very special class. You have the Congressional Black Caucus, you have Jews who are members of uh, Congress, but you don't have that common denominator who can bridge the gap between both. And so I was telling someone the other day there was recently formed the Black and Jewish Caucus led by Debbie Wasserman Schultz and John Lewis. Yes. The Black Caucus and the Jewish Caucus together. Guess what? I could have my foot in both camps. (laughs) 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 That's right. (laughs) And I just think that uh, in a a wonderful way, not only do I have um, a perspective that's unique, but I think that it will be wonderful for me to represent and the leadership that I can provide both locally and nas- uh, nationally and perhaps even internationally, it's a great opportunity that I hopefully will uh, evolve to fruition.
1: Just promise if you go to Washington that you'll t- you'll still take your rabbi's call. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a
0: great reminder that one of the things also that you can do in these moments is make sure that you are registered to vote and yes. that you are encouraging others to vote, and you're helping to um, work towards safeguarding the right of everyone eligible to vote. Um, it's something that I think we sometimes, as, as white people and of, of a certain privilege, assume everyone feels like they can just walk in and cast their vote, and we know that that is not true. And um, especially now with COVID, please register for your absentee ballots and make sure that your voice is heard.
2: You know, just to, just to add to that, Lauren, um, as of last week, a, a record number of people have actually uh, mailed in the ballot applications and received their ballots. However, um, only about a 50% of them have actually turned in their mail-in ballot as of uh, this weekend. So uh, there's either going to be a big rush, the balance of this week. Uh, or a lot of people will show up on election day, which may be problematical in terms of crowds and the inability to social distance. Or those who have a ballot, don't turn it in. So to your point, let's all exercise our ballot, our, our civic responsibility. Use the most safest way to do it and that's mailing it in. Um, but if you choose to go in, in the traditional way, make sure you have your, your um, mask on, your gloves on, etc so that you can minimize risk.
0: As my daughter said when she was, I think, four, and we took her with us to the polling station, it's a vote, so make sure that you, uh, you do your part. That's
1: great. John, wow.
0: thank you so much on short notice to come and speak with us this week. Um, as As Peter said before we started recording, we were eager to feature you and the social justice work, but this is the moment where um, your voice really needs to be shared with our congregation and our community. So thank
2: you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's been great.
1: You have been a a voice of clarity and conscience, um, not just this week, certainly this week, but, but, but all the time. And uh, we're, we're grateful for your for your friendship. You've been a teacher to us as rabbis, um, so it's been, it's been wonderful to just have a chance to speak with you for a little bit and to to make sure the whole world gets to to uh, to hear a little bit of Doctor John Eaves, a graduate of Morehouse, Fulton County Board of Commissioners, Fulton County Chair, and. Uh, uh, running for uh, one of the highest offices of the land, but mostly uh, immediate past board member of the temple and chair of the temple's Rothschild Social Justice Institute Racial Justice Committee. Our friend, thank you so much.
2: Thank you so much as well. Have a great day.
0: Thank you. We often say that um, at the end of our podcast, the tagline for our, our temple, and Peter, it feels this week so important to say, So this has been another episode of the podcast from the temple
1: where we inspire lives
0: and transform our world.